Hold on. What's a Borg cube? The Borg are a race of enhanced humanoids. Mindless drones that assimilate everyone they come across into their collective. Collective? They are a hive mind. You mean they all share one brain? Thousands of minds working as one. With the sole intent to eradicate everything that's perceived to be a threat, including us. There's no reasoning with them. Strange new takes. I'm your host, Notch Garnick, and with me door in a dormant state due to a neurolytic pathogen are Bill Waywad. We are the Rudy Chris Baker. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today we'll be sharing a recap of the Star Trek Prodigy episode. Let Sleeping Borg Lie. And do follow us on social medias uh, at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, tough, tough week uh, for a lot of these companies uh, alive, so do help them out. Um, yeah, yeah. You should, you should follow us on Twitter if it still exists when you open Twitter. <laughs> um, sympathies and empathies out to everyone who's been impacted, of course, and hopefully of course, this, this of podcast um, does lighten your weekend in some way. That's the case. Uh, but do tell your friends about the pod. Um, and, and if you like our content, do give us a five-star rating on uh, whatever podcast rating system you use. Uh, Apple Podcasts, the original one, um, the highest volume. And this is how listeners, uh, new listeners, find us uh, in case they want uh, something to liven up their, uh, something tricky to liven up their weekends or weeks. Spoiler warning, we're going to spoil this episode of Star Trek and may potentially spoil uh, any other episode of Star Trek. So uh, if you haven't seen it yet, you probably should go watch it first. All right. Thanks, Bill. So as I mentioned before, we're going to talk about, or as Bill mentioned before, we're going to talk about the episode Let Sleeping Borg Lie which is the 12th episode of the first season of Star Trek Prodigy. It first aired on the 3rd of November, 2022. It was written by Deandra Pendleton Thomas Thompson. Wow, I just got, like, enunciated today for some reason. And it's directed by Olga Ulanova and Sung Shim. The universe date is Stardate 61284.3, which translates to 2384. We always start our episodes with our strange new takes. And uh, let me see what... So my, my strange new take this week is just that I keep forgetting in the fall that there's one day where you're like, wow, this is funny. The trees haven't like shed their leaves yet. And then you look out the window the next day and like literally all of them fell down overnight. And that happened earlier this week to me where I was like, what the heck happened? And one day you're like, oh, I have weeks to rake all these leaves. And the next day you're like, holy crap, I'm never going to rake all these leaves before the snow comes. So that's my, that's my strange new take uh, so far. And with this episode, I think, here's my strange new take. I think this is the most compelling version and scariest version of the Borg since First Contact. Mm. Wow. <clears throat> mm. Interesting. Um, so I'll go ahead next with my strange new takes. I have a couple for the non-Trek world. Um, one of them is related to, actually, you, you 
triggered that thought in my head, Natch. It's related to, uh, you know, leaves suddenly falling on a particular day. Is that is that what uh, inspired people to pick that day or that weekend as the daylight savings change weekend? Because that is this weekend. Is it? Um, I have it no is, idea. Yeah. It sounds believable, but totally preposterous at the same time. <laughs> so tomorrow, it means I'll wake up at like 6, but it'll be 5, actually. Or something like that. What is it? Or is it seven? Or what happens? Like I always confuse the two. I know we get you get an extra hour this week. Yep, fall back. So two two a.m. Sunday. Uh, chroniton particles detected. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Cool. Thanks and, for the reminder. And yeah, and and the the second take was since I have continued with the uh, NASA Artemis saga. Um, the lovely rocket has been rolled back out of the vehicle assembly building to the launch pad and fingers crossed everybody. Yes, everybody. We need everybody. It has a 69 minute launch window um, on the 14th of November starting, I think, uh, 12 a.m. Eastern time. That is not a big launch window considering the variety of things that have gone wrong, human and, uh, uh, you know, uh, weather induced. So, uh Nonetheless, fingers crossed. And this this episode, I am I'm liking how this season is going. It's 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 a well fleshed out plot. It's uh, it's exciting, um, and and we kind of get the sense that maybe true reunion with Starfleet is not is not as imminent as we thought in in the. In the episode before this, but who knows? You know, it, it, there's there's a there's another plot in play where it could happen uh, in any episode. So, looking forward to it. Okay, um, so for my strange new take, I I know that um, a lot of Star Trek fans probably have mixed feelings about Bill Shatner. Uh, I would just encourage everyone to watch on YouTube uh, the. Uh, clips of him coming back from his trip on the Blue Origin New Shepard, you know, when they land, and then also his interview with um, Anderson Cooper reflecting on that experience. It's really, you know, it's, um, I don't want to spoil it, but like, seriously, like a really spiritual experience for him. He seems like very enlightened now that he went to space. So um, I know what you're talking about. And yeah. yeah, it is. It is. He has surprisingly profound philosophical views on the topic. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Um, for this episode, I I thought it was great um, when I was watching it. I did think like, you know, is this really for kids or is it for adults? Because um, I enjoyed it so much. And then I thought, you know, maybe this is for kids. Or maybe the problem is just that like discovery is also for kids, you know, <laughs> Oh. oh no like it's like the same caliber of writing right <laughs> i hey that that actually i think is a diss to the prodigy writers so. <laughs> i'm sorry discovery fans i'm sorry i just can't help myself it's just too easy oh, i really you know i nice. when discovery was the only trek show i was a really big advocate for discovery and i enjoyed it a lot but now that we have this wealth of Star Trek, I think each and each successive show has been better than the last. Yeah. Right. So like now with Discovery, it's kind of like, man, we. <laughs> I mean, the bar is higher, right? The bar yeah, is higher. Yeah. It's, we I just... think it's time for it to be put out to pasture. <clears throat> Sad to say, yeah. 
But I think there are certain characters within that show that could be extracted, like Saru, yeah. for example, and given yeah. something substantive that is a completely different scope show. Yeah. I think what we need is Deep Space Nine and Discovery timeline. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you think that would be compelling? Like a a space station-based show about like diplomacy and war. It would be awesome. Dude, just a show about um, what's the Admiral's, Admiral Vance, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the only problem is with that timeline is that anything bad happens, Michael Burnham would solve it so quickly. So there's nothing compelling that can occur. Because it'd be like, oh, there's a wormhole with with a, like a bunch of aliens on the other side that are like, Hostile to us. Oh, Burnham went through the wormhole, killed them all, and we're all safe now. Cool. It's like the next episode. Now. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay, okay, okay. Well, um, are you done with your strange new take, Bill? Did I? I'm did done. I, I'm done. Yeah, okay. All right. Let's uh, let's jump into talking about this episode in a little bit more detail. Here's the episode summary from Memory Alpha. I think they brought the Lordex. Uh, summary writer back because this one is when the crew encounters a dormant bar cube. Zero risks everything to save their ship. In defense of this summary, this one is actually comprehensive as a one-sentence summary. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe the only thing that isn't covered here is the living construct. Um, Yeah. All right, so this episode, first of all, first of all, have you noticed how the Paramount Plus intro in the beginning, like the little like Star Trek thing that they show at the beginning of every Star Trek show, show had now has a customized ship for every version so like the lower decks one had the cerritos flying through the and as of this episode now the prodigy one has the prodigy ship flying through the protostar no i didn't notice that's pretty cool yep is this that is this the arc that they the the fly that arc in the in the form of the star trek insignia starfleet insignia yeah yeah before the episode intro they have that little like mini whatever franchise intro they've customized every one of those now for uh for different things it used to be that my uh skip button uh on my app that i'm watching this on used to let me just skip that but it didn't skip the like full intro but with prodigy now it's skipping the full intro and i i always like have to go back rewind and be like no i want to watch the intro on prodigy it's so good <laughs> but this episode opens with something really convenient and I feel like this is maybe the first time I've seen this in Star Trek, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. Remember that the incident of the mid-season finale of Prodigy, where Gwyn and the Diviner like have the revelation, occurred in the Protostar holodeck, because the Diviner was all like, let me take you back to like our Valnica homeworld and show you what happened. And because it happened in the whole uh, in the holodeck, there's a freaking recording that they can watch. It's not like flashbacky. It's an actual recording that they're watching. Yeah, very cool. I didn't get that at first, but <laughs> yeah, I had to think about it for yeah. a little while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Continuity. Like, yeah. Did they like extract someone's memories? Like, was it painful? No, no. It's just recorded. Um. So we we finally. I, I we, wonder. Yeah. I wonder if they recorded the. Um... The, the the Medusan form that drives everyone crazy because that's not a good thing to keep in the in the memory banks or maybe it's not it's not recordable. So they did. Um, Zero does shut down the holodeck because Zero is afraid that like their appearance will drive everyone watching the recording crazy. 
So we don't know the answer to that. Like, could they do a sec, like if zero is like captured, can they use the zero effect by like dip strategically deploying the holodeck recording? It seems like that would be very dangerous. Sounds like it'll work against the Hirogen. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, all right. So we we basically learn here that Zero has a has a little bit of um, a mental block regarding hurting their friends, and Gwyn now knows it seems as of this episode what happened to the Diviner, what happened to her father. Um, she implies that he is no more, which turns out to be incorrect later, but at least that's what she thinks. And then our kids and Janeway go about looking for the weapon. And so they, um, you know, there's a montage. They search all over the ship. And then is it, does Jacob Pog use, somebody uses like a black light basically to find uh, some secret marking on the floor. And then I, I would, you know, Chakotay spent a year in that ship with a Janeway hologram. I'd be a little hesitant about using black lights in places. Like <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just saying that guy's a little skeezy, you know? <laughs> um, anyway, well, it's a kid's it, show. It's a kid's show. It is a kid's show. All the... a kid's show. This is not a kid's podcast, the, thankfully. The the secret insignia, which Gwyn, her like liquid sword turns into a key that's able to open it, and then they go down and they find the weapon, the what is it called? The continuum the of life construct. for the Okay, the living construct, yeah. Which is like a space donut that floats in the air. It's <clears> like <throat> strangely like organic and strange. Yeah. I, so I was, I had been thinking that it was like a computer program. I, I didn't realize that there was kind of a physical object. Yeah, it seems, this, yeah, go ahead. I don't know if this has been brought up before, but um, I am still not entirely sure that the weapon is, is that, is that coil thing or it's actually Gwen herself. Because if you look at all the memories mm. that she has, uh, the diviner's looking at her and saying, it's a weapon. Maybe that's because he's narrating the whole thing to her. But... Dude. Dude. When it attacked the station, yep, she, she was, was unconscious. The... Yep. So, Whoa! So that's... I wonder if, if the weapon is, is her and the way to kind of disarm the weapon... Is that weird thing, or it's our our intrepid captain? Well, not not, yeah, not not the captain often intrepid, but you know what I mean. Um, uh, doll, huh. because his history is also kind of weird, right? So there were two things that were triggered, and and so, just a thought. Wow, man, the conspiracy goes all the way to the top, huh? <laughs> Jeez, I I did not catch that. Hmm, interesting. Very, very interesting. I think that's a very compelling theory. Um, so, so do you think that the, the living construct is just like a, a, a red herring or is it like an activation matrix for Gwyn's weapon? Like, what do you think? I think un unless there was, I mean, the, the flaw in, in this theory is that there was some massive confusion between um, the Medusan and the Borg where Medusan is like, 
the Borg's like because the Borg don't specify what the living construct is, right? They don't really, they, you know, it cannot be deactivated or or disabled and all of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering if uh, if our Medusin crew member was not um, was not sure of what they meant or or you know thinks that, I mean understands that it's going but keeping it to themselves but I don't know like that's that's potentially another loophole but um, yeah it, it it doesn't it doesn't really it doesn't really set a path for what that coil thing was though right who, who knows we'll, we'll keep an eye I guess through the next episodes yeah no that's a really interesting theory wow I had no idea well one other piece here is that we now have confirmation that Janeway doesn't the hologram doesn't really know everything that's going on uh, in in the and Jenkum kind of call, I think it was Jenkum who kind of calls her yeah. on it where he's like oh yeah you didn't seem to know all sorts of stuff last time uh, and I, I like that and she was like touche she's like she's accepting of it herself she doesn't retort or anything well and i think i think it gives some justification that way to the fact that um the kids don't always listen to her because now they have they, they know that she's not always right right like it's um she she has limitations so they do they have motivation to trust their own judgment now Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, because I think this is one of my problems with a lot of these like intrepid kids solving crime shows. It's like, why don't you just listen to adults? <laughs> and in this case, <laughs> the adult in question may not have all the information that the kids have. So, yeah. Anyway, I I think that I I like the the conceit as such. Um, okay. Well, they quickly encounter a Borg cube. Oh no! It's the Borg. Resistance is futile. Except they don't get the like iconic. Uh, first message, we are the part. Lay down your weapons or whatever. We will add your unique consciousness to our own. Resistance is futile. <laughs> it, it was kind of weird how it was like just there all of a sudden. Like if it's dormant, you would expect that they would notice this like enormous ship as, as they're like flying around. But no, they, they're like right next to it. And they're like, whoa, there's this giant ship. Yeah, yeah. Right and, and if, if they were like you know setting a course somewhere and heading somewhere it would be like um well wait a minute is that they get no that's at the end sorry i was thinking about the distress call that they get but that's at the end my bad <laughs> my bad um no so so you think if they're setting a course like they'd be like and avoid known hostile ships and that list would include giant borg cube yeah i mean i don't know if there's just like a giant like mega tanker adrift in the ocean you would probably notice it before you were like <laughs> right next to it right you would probably see it from like I, I, i'm being right, really Bill, like i'm being really nitpicky i'm not watching yeah. prodigy anymore i'm done <laughs> literally unwatchable now i can't literally unwatchable. Fail. yeah <laughs> maybe they were distracted with that whole living construct and you know reading black light on floors <laughs> probably yeah yeah. So our crew clearly in infinite wisdom decide to board the Borg cube because what else do you do when you come across a Borg cube, right? Um, 
And Janeway is like, <laughs> don't do it. I, I'm recommending you don't. No, no, don't put that on. No, don't don't go in there. And I, I wonder if kids like get the wrong message from that. Like, I wish, you know, adults were like that. They impart all the wisdom, but they can't do anything more than like, strongly <laughs> recommend. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, not uh, your... You're right. As soon as they see it, you know they have to board it, right? Yeah, and it's like, know. like with the um, the prime directive, like every time it comes up, it's because it needs to be violated, right? <laughs> like oh, it's yeah. never, they never, they never have a dilemma, and they're like, you know what? You're right. We should be responsible and not violate the prime. <laughs> never happens, right? <laughs> Five minute episode of Next Generation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. We shouldn't be doing this. Okay, bye. Yeah. See. You. <laughs> Set a course for the next planet. <laughs> <laughs> what did y'all think about the design of the cube? It had some like, you yeah. know, angles to it. Like it was all it was all rectangular, but there were like some slanting diagonals that I hadn't, or at least one that I hadn't noticed before in any other series. But maybe I it, it. it kind of felt like a TNG board cube more so than a uh, uh, first contact board cube. Like it had kind mm. of those like flatter panels rather than kind of being all like filled with like the little crevasses and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 I, I guess it wasn't was appealing good. to sorry, go ahead. I thought it looked good. I thought it was visually quite appealing. What do you think? Well, thankfully, otherwise they would have missed it. <laughs> but but um Jenkin didn't like the external looks of it. He's like, never catch me flying in a box or something like that, right? Uh initially he, he didn't <laughs> Right you are, Jenka Pog. <laughs> are you I, which which one of you hated Jankapog before what was it Adam one of, somebody hated Jankapog I remember Adam okay I, I fucking I love Jankapog man he's so I funny. mean he is he is kind of annoying but that's the point right <laughs> I just find him so funny he's like he's a constant instigator and that's what I love about him yeah uh, that's true yeah he definitely drives the plot forward so what, sorry, I'm skipping ahead a tiny bit, but we saw this um, other Tellarite in this episode who looked really different, right? He had like tusks coming out of his cheeks. Yeah, so he looked more like a traditional um, Tellarite compared yeah. to Jenkinpog. Like Jenkinpog has never quite looked like a Tellarite, right? And I don't understand. Well, so Jenkin has two teeth coming out of his mouth this way. Like, right. from, like from bottom up, whereas this Telluride had stuff coming out of it, the side of his like face, it looked kind of like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it is quite evident that it's very different and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But maybe... Well, I like the bedside let me, let me ma manner of that doctor. Maybe it's because Jenkin Pog is like a juvenile. Maybe he'll grow those big, ugly cheek tusks as he ages. <clears throat> Could be. I'm, I'm going to look this up and see what they have on this doctor on Memory Alpha because it might be like, oh, this is a different species that they met for like five minutes somewhere else, you know. Um, but don't, but I mean, he was even like argumentative and like exactly sarcastic. Right, right. Yeah, I, I like the character. It's pretty, you know, pretty fun. So let's, I mean, we're talking about, before we get back to the Borg Cube, we're talking about Admiral Janeway, the real one um, who saved the Diviner. And she's on her ship and is trying to revive the diviner which 
again, this is like one of those things where we, we, we face this problem when we watch the Khan episode from TOS. It's like, don't revive random people and just leave them alone in the sick bay. Like, you don't know who these people are. There's a lot of bad people out there. Like, maybe they were, you know, in stasis for a reason. Like, uh, you know, it's it's kind of kind of dangerous, man. Let sleeping stasis people lie. Exactly. Exactly. Why would you do anything different? Uh, so anyway, what are you going to do? Um, so it's, she's on the USS Dauntless, of course. And the crew member on there is a officer named Naum. And he is indeed Tellerite. So maybe you're right, Bill. Maybe he's just, it's a, it's a juvenile versus adult thing. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe well, he's he, from he like the... Looked... Go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, maybe he's from like the Western continent and Jankampak is from the Southern continent or something. So for what it's uh, worth, the Enterprise Tellarites did not have those tusks, but uh, there are the Mirror Universe Tellarites that were shown um, had, uh, had tusks. So, and the ones shown in Discovery also sometimes had tusks. So we've seen both versions of Tellarites in the past. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Mystery solved. So here's my thing. Why is there a ensign in the command division solving a medical mystery? Like, how did she know that the diviner? Like, that just seemed odd to me. Like, the me chief medical officer hasn't figured it out. Yeah. yeah. Well, I assume we're going to see more of her, that ensign. And it did give the doctor something to complain about, which was mildly funny. Yeah, is the camera Ensign like lingered trill? on her just a little bit. Yeah, she looked trill. Yeah. Maybe she had the wisdom of like... Oh, yeah. Trill superpower. You Escape can, hatch. Right? Every episode you can make up a new, like, you know, trill ancestor that has whatever, <laughs> whatever kind of knowledge you need for that episode. There you go. There you go. Perfect. Mystery solved. See, I knew I could depend on you guys to help me out. Also, uh, Janeway orders tea and says that it's doctor's orders. I Yeah. Like she said, I get a second opinion. If my doctor told me no coffee, I'd kick him to the curb. What? What do you, you think she's she suffering from? Ulcers. <laughs> Ouch. You, you know what she reminded me of? Um... Not to spoil the show too much, but uh, if any of our listeners haven't seen it yet, if they haven't, they should. Remind me of Ted Lasso and ah. his reaction to tea. He'd call it chimney water. <laughs> you know, I still haven't watched Ted Lasso and like everybody tells me I should, but I'm just like, uh, I don't know. It's like one of those things like, it's kind of like uh, when Hamilton first came out, which is a bad example because I fucking love Hamilton now. So maybe it should, you know, I should go watch it watch Ted Lasso but it's just like everybody's telling me watch Ted Lasso and I'm just like uh, I don't know <laughs> yeah same boat I think I'll watch it eventually yeah probably wait for it to be over and then binge it yeah yeah there you go um Rudy is like you fuckers best show on TV and you're not watching it <laughs> that adequately summarize your reaction wankers <laughs> wankers there you go us wankers with our chimney water and Janeway too. Okay, so that's pretty much all that happens on the Dauntless. And then at one point, the Diviner wakes up. Oh no, the Diviner's awake. What's going to happen next, I wonder? Um, we'll find out next episode. 
But returning to our intrepid crew on the Borg ship, where they've decided, hey, the Borg are our friends, and we should poke around and just do whatever we want, because we're kids. And I, as I alluded to in my strange new day, I, I genuinely think that this was a compelling time on the Borg cube. Like, I, I found this version of the Borg cube to be genuinely terrifying. And I think some of this is that there are children involved, that they've never seen the Borg before, so we're kind of seeing it from their lens. But also visually, I feel like the way they represented this Borg cube and the fact that the Borg are all asleep because of the neurolytic pathogen that uh, future Jane may release, by the way. That's why the Borg are dormant. But this dormant Borg in this like dark foreboding place and then you know Jenkin Bog like by mistake touches one of them oh no it just was very scary like it was genuinely I think kind of terrifying yeah I, I agree um, I mean at first I thought it was awesome that they flew the ship into it I don't know if we've ever seen that before at least not with like a full size ship and um, and then you know, the scene where they're on that catwalk and the Borg are approaching them from both sides. It really looks like, you know, the, the, like it's game over. Yeah. And of course, the, our, you know, the, the wily kids figure their way, their way out of it. But, um, but yeah, again, I mean, you know, usually in Star Trek, you would expect like the commanding officer to be like, remember, they adapt. So the officers should be ready for the adapting. But the kids are like, ha-ha, I've got this phaser and it's going to save me. Man, look at this, the board. So they're they're, yeah. cl they're clearly kids. Like, you can see in the way that they act and their kind of lack sometimes of remembering the things that they've been told um, that they the, the, these are children. It's They're not treated as some sort of, like, smaller versions of, like, Picard, Riker, and, you know, whatever. And that's yeah. what makes it scary, right? Like, we we know that their naivety is is going to backfire at some point because we we've seen so many different ways the Borg have you know caused pain, um. So so that's part of it. And then again, they're a they're a treasured crew. They're the main cast. So it's it's a, an elevated level of concern and anxiety in the audience as compared to watching an innocent civilization encountering the Borg for the first time. Right, like you feel bad yeah. for them, but here you feel really bad for, for these people. Um, yeah, Bill, you were saying something about the catwalk scene. Um, yeah, I thought it was scary and um, not clear how they were gonna get out of it. And I also thought the um, the zero like interface with the collective thing was compelling. Uh, was not clear to me that zero could be assimilated. And then when they were and turned green, I thought it was pretty awesome. Um, the, you know, like a, a Borg Medusa, you know, it's a pretty cool idea. So this is something that I actually had to go and read about. Cause I was like, this is a non-corporeal entity. How are they being assimilated? And the thread that this picks up on is actually from Picard, where there's something said about how the collect the Borg Collective is something of a sedu seductive place to be. And we've seen this in Voyager where, you know, ex-Borg are like lamenting the fact that they're like severed from the collective. And so the, the idea here is that being in the collective is kind of it's really reassuring. It feels really good from a mental standpoint. 
you know, to be surrounded in that way and to be part of something bigger. So the idea here is that Zero chooses to be there. Like, sure, we visually see the like arms wrapping around Zero or whatever, but they also choose, like maybe they chose to allow themselves to be in this kind of warm, seductive embrace of the Borg. And then, which is why when Gwyn just talks to Zero, that's enough to break Zero out of the collective. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's a choice. Right. In Picard, in Picard, they describe it as being almost like euphoric. Like it's, you know, right. it seems like they almost get high off it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And again, this is these are children, so like they would not have as much kind of impulse control when it comes to stuff that feels good, right? Yeah. Going back to the catwalk, I thought it was again uh, convenient that one when one, the the upper catwalk. Uh, started to fall apart there was just one below exactly aligned with it um i, I hadn't seen that before <laughs> it's like it's like they wrote the first part like uh how, how do we stop them from falling there's another one right below <laughs> they're like oh we'll just put another catwalk right okay <laughs> right exactly exactly well it's it's borg efficiency right one catwalk is to go Redundancy. east to west you, you walk the other way on the other catwalk right like oh. yeah. So, so, so it's all explainable by canon people. It's all good. Um, what did y'all? What did y'all feel about? And I haven't, I haven't, I haven't gone back and checked this, but it was in, it was interesting to hear a male hive mind voice. Uh, I'm used to a female hive mind voice. Uh, what is it? Uh, brave words. I've heard them before, from thousands of species across thousands of planets, and now they're all Borg, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm glad we didn't have the Borg Queen. That's a little uh, inappropriate for children, uh, I think, uh, from a variety of standpoints, including terror-inducing uh, quality. Well, what's the what's the age age threshold to watch this because? Isn't well? I guess they're with the diviner and the and the, the mind. There have been scary episodes, um, and then that planet where like everything sort of tries to like grab you and absorb you. This one was pretty scary too. I don't know. Uh, let's see. So, what age group is it for? Eight to eighteen, is the recommendation from kidsfirst.org. So, who am I to disagree with kidsfirst.org? <laughs> Does that mean we have to stop watching? Exactly. We disagree. We're watching. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, well, it says kids aged 8 to 18, adults 18 plus. Hey. <laughs> there you go. I found a loophole. Uh, we can keep watching, I'm sure. I, so to read your voice point, though, that was how the Borg were in TNG, right? Before First Contact introduced the Queen, they had the, like, disembodied voice that has kind of a little bit of distortion, you know? And, yeah, and well, that was decades satisfied. ago. No, that was decades ago. I think in 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 today's climate, I guess it was okay. It, it didn't really matter, and and I think a male Borg voice, the to Bill's point, is way less scary than the female Borg voice. So. I I think I think the thing that I like liked about this was when Gwyn was on her own. And having Janeway advise her, I think that was, again, like, one of those, like, peak Star Trek Borg moments when Gwyn is, like, walking past all of the, like, Borg and one of them, like, turns. 
And this is such a quintessentially like <clears throat> Borg moment for Star Trek, and it and it landed so well for me. I was so scared for her. Yeah, agreed. Um, I thought and, she was just gonna stab him with her. Is they they have no way of defending against like, you know, stabbing and melee type attacks, right? <laughs> well, the... but but unlike except when they grab, she's still you know a child, so they like grabbed the thing and then she couldn't do anything with it and they like broke it, like you know. I thought that was see that 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 was it. I was like, oh shit, because like typically you know in in first contact or whatever, Worf pulls out his bat leather and he's like, rah, 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 I can now destroy all the Borg. And so I was like, oh, yeah, Gwen's got her little, like, stabby thing, and she's going to be great. And then the Borg, like, grabs it and breaks it, and, you know, it's just like, oh, shit. These kids are in real trouble. But Rock Talk was just, like, knocking them off the catwalk. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't know how they captured her in the end, but... Yeah, can they, which, can they assimilate Rock Talk? Like, I was just going to say, like... Which leads me to like two things. One is like they didn't have that whole nanotube approach of assimilation. There was a lot of close contact and, you know, like literally uh, touching and stuff. And there were no nanotubes with nanoprobes. Maybe it was because the, these are neuropathically uh, deficient Borg that not quite got up to speed yet. Um, maybe yeah, maybe maybe with 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 Rock Talk they would do the thing they did with Data and First Contact where they have that like drill that goes in. You know. Oh no. Right. Uh, yeah, they're not going to show that on Prodigy. Okay, anyway, let's let's move away from grim things uh, and and talk about Gwyn finding... She finds our crew, intrepid crew. They've all been bolted down. And then again, it looks like they're all okay, but then, oh no, it's the Borg again. Which, by the way, a lot of new Borg designs in this one. What this? species was that really big one? The big ugly one? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't... Isn't that... It had a lot of horns. Yeah, I don't know. I don't... I don't maybe it's unknown species. <clears throat> yeah, I... Uh... Let me see the canon connections post on Reddit to see if I can um, get the, the species there. Because it, it, it actually looks a lot like a species in Star Trek. Or not sorry, Mars, Mass Effect, and um, but that's obviously not relevant here. But it might be like homage. It it looks like the um, the species that the Shadow Broker from Mass Effect is from. But anyway, the they did have this giant Borg. They had the Borg who's like addicted to Oculus VR because it's got like a big triangle on its head where the uh, oh, eye yeah. should be. That was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So again, I think we're seeing some of the cool things you can do with um, animation, right? Do, do do you think that we'll encounter the Borg, or, or this expanding version of the Borg, in, in upcoming episodes, or do you think this was like a? Well, they if they bring Brandon Braga back for sure, we'll have three seasons of Borg <laughs> where they reuse first contact costumes. But um, I I think they will. I think I think they will. Because it's too, it's too attractive of a prospect, right? They're literally close to the Delta Quadrant, so like, why wouldn't they encounter more Borg? And I think that might be actually a good way to introduce some adults to the show without destroying the conceit that like they don't. These are people who are like kind of immature and don't know what they're doing. You could introduce an ex Borg to the group who's you know been a drone their whole life, so kind of like Seven of Nine. They don't really know what they're doing. 
Oh, that's interesting. A Borg bean. Like like a new Ijeb. Uh except, you know, the actor isn't uh kinda racist, so <laughs> old old age. Yeah, right. Um So at the end there. Zero is about to like do the drill, which by the way, I was like, holy crap, this is like kids are going to be terrified by this, like, you know, and he's about to drill Jankumpog's face and Gwyn wins, wins over Zero with love. And we kind of talked about this before, so I think there's a good justification for it. But what was your reaction to that's the way the, the plot gets resolved? I mean, it's a kid's show resolution, right? For me, it was a little corny, but that's okay because I'm not a kid. And there's a there's a you know a lot of history, a lot of precedent in Star Trek for um, like defeating your enemy with a motivational speech, right? William Shatner did it all the time, right? Like with the whenever the villain is like a robot or whatever, he could just like talk them into like exploding. <clears throat> it's true. It's Pike does true. it as well to some extent. I know, like, and it comes off a little comic, but. Um... He tries. He tries the speeches, and and I think this is this is coming back to coming back to this show in this episode. This is where it's it's a it's a tricky line. It's a tricky line to walk. You're you're trying to you're trying to communicate lessons again. You're trying to uh, you know have kids get the sense that if you know you can figure things out through talking. If somebody's kind of going off their own, the quote unquote the dark side, you know. Don't abandon them. Talk to them, but at the same time, if you compare this with the previous episode, the the way they get off the ship, there's a little bit of interesting science around it, right? Like there's a little bit of orbital mechanics in them jumping off the platform and all of that. So they have to they have to walk this fine line between the emotional subjective lessons and the objective logical resolution to things. Um, and yeah. I, I definitely have a bias towards the objective logical resolution to things, but I get the, the value of em- emotional lessons as well. You think they'll have a episode soon where they're on some planet with an election and one of the people is like, this election is fake. And Gwyn is like making an impassioned speech about love and democracy and federalism. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they might do that in Discovery. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's the connect that you were mentioning earlier, Bill, right? Yeah. Like similar writing stuff. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, Rudy, I, I have been watching this and being like, you know, I remembered how much you were trying to like push there being some sort of lesson in the Lower Decks season. And in I the was Avatar like, episode? Yeah, and I was like, there's no fucking lesson. <laughs> now there are lessons. So I hope you're feeling more at home with the lessons being there right up front. No, they're not the right kind of lesson. I want math. I want science. This show is called Prodigy. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> all right. All right. Well, anyway, uh, anything else to share on this episode uh, before we, we move on to talking about some ratings? What happens next, right? Like, they're catching up. Um, they got to the, the, uh, the comm relay or whatever, that outpost, right? And mm-hmm. and there's a growing like a snowball effect of you, you can almost sense that Janeway and her crew are are uh, 
are believing that there's some real bad actors that are consciously and intentfully controlling the protostar and doing bad things one after the other and we we see the diviner wake up um and he's just going to fuel that that anxiety right that's probably what's going to happen in the next episode or two i kind of groaned a little bit when they introduced the conceit for the season where i was like oh they can't like talk to jane but now i find myself kind of believing it and i think part of that is that or, or embracing it as well as a plot device mostly because at the end of this episode dal isn't like we can't go to starfleet we must now head towards the other side of the galaxy they're like let's solve this and that problem solving that attitude of like it still gives me some hope that they're going to go to starfleet someday you know and so i i kind of like that rather than if they'd just been like we can never fix this you know yeah i'm i'm curious to see what they do next because they can't I think the the resolution will come actually quicker than we might expect. You know, they can't just be, you know, being chased by the Dauntless for like four seasons, right? I think probably by the end of this season, they meet up with Starfleet and then are they given a field commission or, you know, I I don't know how they handle that, but um, I think it will happen. Yeah, something's something's got to materialize out of this. All right. Maybe it's the next... Maybe it's the next episode where um, where the distress call is coming from and and it's uh, it's like they all arrive there at the same time. We'll see. And, and there's confusion on who, who are the bad actors and who are the protagonists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it seems like the show doesn't make you wait a whole lot to like get stuff like if the diviner is waking up the diviner is going to do something next episode it's not going to be five episodes of the designer scheming slowly you know like it's they, they don't they don't tease stuff for like several episodes from now you know like Picard where like nothing happens for eight episodes and then they cram all the plot into like 37 minutes at the end of the season yeah or like they decided to not do that there's not going to be a casino episode of Prodigy I don't think yeah uh anyway okay well let's jump into strange new rating which one of you wants to stick your neck out and give let sleeping borg lie a rating i'm i'm you know can't make up my mind if i think it's a seven or an eight so i'll just go with an eight because i'm a i like star trek <laughs> good reason <laughs> good reason <laughs> Uh, I, I'm I'm going to be with you, Bill. Uh, I think I think this is a, a solidly good episode. I just love their portrayal of the Borg in particular. So even I think that just overrides most stuff for me here. Yeah. I'm I'm going to skew the average a little lower and go with the seven. I actually really liked the previous episode and you know gave that Voyager feel of like encountering the first, the first aspects of the Federation and all of that and. Maybe they'll bring it back, but it, it felt kind of detached here. Um, Borg are always fun. Um, but uh, let's see, let's see. Maybe, maybe the whole catching up side of it, mm-hmm. you know, Jane, Janeway catching up means that it's going to come down at, at, at some point in time and hopefully soon, as we discussed. I will give it seven uh, uh, drill bits, Borg drill bits designed in, in, in a less... Uh, mm. less uh, spiny manner to make them somehow feel uh, look uh, kiddo safe right like that drill bit. it looked scary but it was 
it was better than like one of those like needles, right? That would I'm be gonna really say child safe Borg drill bits. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I just Rudy, I just have to say I, I respect your rating, but we have established that if you give it a seven, that means you don't like Star Trek. <laughs> and it is a Star Trek <laughs> podcast. I'm just pointing it out, you know. <laughs> uh, that's great. That's great. That'll be our standard from now on. Um, this is how great inflation starts, by the way. <laughs> so it it's a nine point nine two eight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, our class, you know, it has an average grade of an A plus. Like, great, great people here. <laughs> anyway, you must have gone to business school, Notch. Hey, <laughs> you shut up. <laughs> Unfortunately, Bill, you did exactly the same program as me, so I can't even be like, you don't know my school. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Did I say that out loud? Oh. <clears throat> hey, this is the you know this is the MBA version of our podcast. All three of oh us have MBAs. This is the Uh-oh. business part. <laughs> that's the, that is the like yeah. When it's the three of us, we've got to like analyze, like design some sort of framework to analyze the episode and like uh, you know <laughs> design a quantitative model to give a rating. Um, or something like that, <laughs> right? We got to account for all the uh, expenses being uh, pushed. Like, how much? How much did like the Borg? How much did it cost the Borg to have this encounter with the Protostar? Like, what did their balance sheet look like after this? <laughs> you think the Borg had accountants? You think, you think <laughs> the Borg had somebody? No, no. Like, <laughs> You know, shit, guys, stop the assimilation. We don't have the resources to keep assimilating these planets. Like, yeah, they from... can't get it through procurement. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have enough nanoprobes to keep injecting them into new species. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these are all valid points, right? Like, the Borg reaching the scale that they did. They also had massive bureaucratic deficiencies uh this is prime prime uh, material for lower decks multiple episodes dude we should write a mike mcmahon with this idea we might get a writer's credit uh that might be great all right well uh one other quick fact that i'll tell you real quick because we went from the 10th episode of lower decks to the 11th episode of prodigy the episode list and our rating sheet goes 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 13 14 and it's gonna do that until we finish the season of prodigy which is really cool um, all right. Well, Bill, Rudy, thank you for joining me. I watched the Borg here. It was, I was transported to my first viewing of First Contact and it reminded me again how exciting it is to talk about Star Trek with people and be like, oh my God, it's the fucking Borg and I was afraid. It's great. And so thanks for being there, for letting me do that. Yeah, thanks, thank guys. you, not. Yeah, yeah. And, and thank you, Emily and Adam, whatever it is you're doing today. I hope it's a great time. Thank you, dear listener, for including us in your weekly podcast rotation. We always appreciate that you do that. And thank you, Jishu Guha, for recording our theme music. We always appreciate hearing you strum away at the Klingon theme. And uh, special thanks this week to Janeway from the future. Uh, If she hadn't come back in the controversial uh, finale to Star Trek Voyager, we wouldn't have had this episode. So, you know, and, and probably the kids would have just been like assimilated in like the first two episodes of, you know, they were like, we, we've got a ship in the Delta Porter. And then the Borg would be like, no, we have you now. And then it'd be a whole different type of show. So uh, thank you, Janeway from the future. All right, everybody. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.